Hello and welcome to When Passion Meets Profit. This is a podcast dedicated to real life stories told by ordinary people. And you know what they did? They discovered their passion and then they learned they could make a very good living, a great living actually, using the talents and skills that they came into this world with. I'm Patricia Noldrain. I'm your host for this podcast. So let's get started. Hello, everybody. It's Patricia Noel Drain, and welcome to When Passion Meets Profit. This is the podcast that really talks about the fact that, yes, you can make a great living doing what you love, and you can get paid for being you. Isn't that great? I love to host these episodes because every time we get really just normal, individual people that are doing extraordinary things. We don't have celebrities on here. I don't know a celebrity. But in their own world, every person I'm interviewing is a celebrity in their world. And today is no different. It's Barb Bruno, who I've had on before. And I'd have her on every single week if I could, because she's a multitude of gifts, passions, ways to do business. She just has it all. But today, we're really going to be focused on LinkedIn. Because I think it's an incredible story how this even happened for her. But our theme this month, the month of June, it's okay to make a great living with what you already know. And when you get into Barb's story today, you'll see that she just knows these things. This is who she is. And this is her core belief. And so welcome to the podcast, Barb. My pleasure to be here with you, Patricia. Yeah, you're you're here a lot. And I do have other friends, but I just prefer you a lot. So there you go. <laughs> I hope your other friends are listening. <laughs> I do too. Uh, so Barb, I don't like purposely introducing people because I like them to tell their story so people can hear, you know, their career and how it all unfolded. So you go ahead with your summary of your career. I'll just give you a really quick summary, I guess. I don't know that I planned my career. I was forced into a career. My my the path that I wanted to take was to be a stay-at-home mom, and I wanted to be president of the PTO, and I wanted to play tennis and enjoy life and back a very successful husband. Well, I didn't marry the right person if I if that was part of my plan and ended up as a single parent. And when I got my divorce, my children were three and two weeks old. Oh. And so, of course, you know, that changed the plan. I couldn't do what I was doing at the time. I was working as a secretary and selling real estate on weekends and evenings because my husband couldn't hold on a job. And uh, the real estate market was a nightmare. Interest rates were in the 20%. So I went to employment firms because I heard they had jobs. And I told them I wanted a sales job. And 11 people told me in a role that I had no sales ability, that the reason I typed 100 mm-hmm. words a minute was because God meant for me to be a typist. And I said, no, I play piano. That's why I type so fast. And everybody tested my typing. And so I finally decided if they treat every woman like that, then I'm going to open an employment firm. So I called it in Annapolis, Indiana. I live in Indiana and said, how do you open one? And they told me how. And I opened Sunshine Employment. And for two years, I did nothing but place women in jobs because I was I was hurt. I was hurt by what I was told. And I learned at a very, very young age that um, when somebody tells me I can't do something, my immediate reaction is watch me. Like, don't tell me your opinion doesn't have to be my reality. Like, like who do you think you are? I also don't judge anybody else. I don't believe in, in, you know, agreeing or disagreeing with people. I try to see the world through their eyes. But so my career has just progressed. And if anybody told me I would still be in the employment industry, I would say no, because I'm undiagnosed ADHD, I'm convinced. 
if I was born in this day and age, I'd be on Ritalin. But I just, <laughs> the, the recruiting profession is very different. It, no two days are alike. And then I ended up falling into training. We had a speaker not show up and I put an X on a piece of paper and told my board of directors, whoever drew the X had to speak. And I drew last and I drew the X. And that opened the speaking, the speaking opportunity. And what I want to say to anybody listening is don't ever tell yourself what you can or can't do because you never know that X on that piece of paper turned out to be one of the best choices of my life. You never know when when all of a sudden you're going to be put in a situation where you're totally uncomfortable. And if you ever hear yourself say, I can't, because early in my life, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then I realized what I was really saying was I won't. So I never say I can't. In fact, if somebody asks me to do something, I go, sure. And then I hang up and go, oh my gosh, how do I figure out? I'm, I'll do this, but how? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. that's kind of my career to, in a nutshell, Patricia. I just mm-hmm. look at everything that's put in front of me as how could I turn this into making money when I'm not there? And I think that's another thing. It's one thing to work a job. It's another thing to have a business. And I, I think if you're exchanging for what you do, for what you get paid, you will never be financially free because you always have to show up. And I'm still working at this because a lot, especially during COVID, during COVID, I went from having a very lucrative company to having a job. For two years, I had a job and I hated it. If I wasn't there, we weren't making money. And so now everything I've done the last two years is strictly building things back up so I don't have to be there. So you you need your passion, but anytime somebody puts something in front of you and you go, I can't, you're really saying I won't. Sure you could. Just jump in and see what happens. Well, I'm really anxious to hear the LinkedIn story because mm-hmm. I don't even know the whole LinkedIn story, how they came into your life, how you started being paid a lot, I might add, and deserving a lot because of what you do. So tell the audience about that story, Barb. Well, it was interesting. I was asked to speak at a conference that I really didn't want to speak at. They weren't paying me my normal fee, and I had decided somewhere along the the road, this is what I'm going to charge. And they didn't, but they were an organization that I knew and I had helped before. They were nonprofits, so I decided to show up. And I thought, you know what? They came back and said, you know, we don't have enough speakers, please. And I thought, okay. And so I went thinking that, well, maybe I'll sell some products or I'll do something that'll that'll justify the expense. And I had a woman who was kind of following me around. I didn't know who she was. And then I saw her in the front row of my speech and my I was doing a breakout. And all of a sudden, It was interesting. The keynote of the day had gone way over. So I had started like 30 minutes later than I was supposed to start. The whole convention was running 30 minutes late. And so it was funny is the speaker after me showed up and evidently he didn't come in the morning. So he didn't know I was running 30 minutes over and he stood at the front of the room and he was going, you know, I tell you, I'm thinking, is he kidding? So finally I said, excuse me a moment. And I said, I'm sorry, you're the next speaker, right? And he said, yes. And I said, well, we're running 30 minutes behind. You've got two choices. You can either sit down and learn something, or you can leave the room because I'll be done in 30 minutes and then you'll be on. And he walked out of the room and everybody just started laughing because he was being so rude. I was trying to just ignore him. People Mm -hmm. were telling him to sit down. Well, that's what made the woman in the room that had been following me around was a content manager for LinkedIn Learning. I didn't know who she was. And she said that when she saw what he was doing to me, she said, first of all, you made no excuses when you got up there. 
you didn't say, gee, I'm sorry, we're 30 minutes late. You said, come on, let's go. We'll make up for what's going on. The keynote was horrible and everybody was kind of down. And she said, you made no excuses. You didn't blame anybody. You went right into it. She said, but what really made me hire you and know that I want you to train for LinkedIn was the fact that when you were faced with that, this man was <clears throat> you at the front of the room. She said, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And people around me were saying, we can't wait to see what she's going to do. Because, <laughs> because they knew, I, you know, I would only let it go so long. And mm-hmm. then it was ridiculous, you know. And what's really funny, and, and I shouldn't even share this, but he had like two people stay in his session. Nobody mm-hmm. went to his session because of the way he treated me. Yep, which, yep. you know, it goes around, comes around. And so then, so they asked me if I would do a course and they asked me to do something that I told them I couldn't do. Here comes that I can't. Because they said, LinkedIn Learning needs some courses on recruiting. And so what we would like you to do is we want you to do a foundation course on recruiting. And I said, for the staffing and recruiting industry, because that's what I came out of. And she said, no, we want you to write a course that would would fit talent acquisition people, human resource people and companies, as well as staffing and recruiting recruiters. And so my first comment to her was, well, we do it totally different. It's not the same because in staffing and recruiting, you're developing clients. There's a whole separate side to that where when you work in a company, you know, you've know you got the jobs, you've got the hiring managers. And I said, plus, we work differently. And she said, are you telling me you can't do it? And this was a pivotal moment in my life mm-hmm. because my head was saying, this course can't be written. Of course, I can't do it. Nobody could do this. And I said, oh, I'm not saying I'm not willing to. I'm just saying it's going to be difficult to get everything in one course when you've got two completely different targeted audiences. She said, but are you telling me you are capable of doing this? And I said, yes. And she walked away. And in my in my mind, I was saying, what did I just say I'm going to do? Like, <laughs> this is nuts. Like, you can't do that. You cannot write a course, you know, for two different professions. And it was interesting. So I thought I was going to convince them that they were wrong and I couldn't do it. And I didn't, you know, they, they stuck to their guns. And uh, my first instant with LinkedIn learning was not pleasant. I wrote these courses, you know, I, I got to their studios and they had me working off of a teleprompter and I had worked one day and they kept stopping me. I'd never worked off a teleprompter before and they kept uh, stopping me and saying, well, you're appearing like you're reading. We don't want you to appear like you're reading. And I go, but I am reading. These have to be timed exactly the amount of minutes, exactly the amount of words you're not letting me ad lib. And the other thing too is if you've never been in a studio, I use my arms. I'm not a telling you, but you would think I am. I talk with my hands. I talk with my whole body. I walk around. Okay. When I train, I don't even stay at a podium. I have a lavalier. And so now they have me in a two foot square. I can't leave. I've got marks by my feet. And then they tell me I can't take my arms out more than a half a feet from. So I feel like a T-Rex. I feel oh. like a T-Rex that is stuck in a box (laughs) that has a green screen behind her and Mm. 15 people in front of her with microphones and cameras. And then there's these voices coming in like Oz, you know, coming and telling me where to stand and what to do. It was so intimidating. I'm so intimidating. And then they tell me, you know, just appear you're not reading. And I'm thinking these people are crazy. Well, the next morning I got in and they said, um, um, Barb, we want you to redo. We had some trouble with the with the camera yesterday. Can you redo your session one? And I'm thinking, boy, this is not good. This is not good at all. Mm-hmm. And um, so after I started it, the teleprompter wouldn't work. And they said, 
you know, Barb, can, do you know the material? And I said, well, no, not really. This is all brand new things I just wrote for you. Because remember, this is a course I didn't think it'd be written. I said, no, this is all new material, but I could probably write 10 words down on a piece of paper if I could just stick it up there. Well, that's what I did. I wrote down like the top of the first of each main point, And then I just ad-libbed. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden I, hear, I heard a voice say, that's the girl I saw at the conference. And it was the woman that hired me. She said, Barb, we have to throw what you did yesterday away. You looked mm-hmm. very robotic. You looked very, very nervous. Your personality wasn't there. It was like you were reading. And I go, because I was reading. And she said, can you ad lib? And I said, sure. Now, again, this is again, I wanted to say, are you crazy? I don't mm-hmm. know this by heart. This is all new stuff. How am I supposed to do this? So I, I left the studio and I went in the bathroom and I literally got sick. I got sick. And tears were just running down my face like, oh, my God, I'm going to blow this with LinkedIn. Like, they paid me in advance. And I thought, you know what? I don't need this. I don't need them. They need me. Why am I putting myself through this? This is nuts. This is not who I am. I'm not going to do it. And then I heard myself again say, I can't. And I thought, you mean you won't? Like, suck it up. This is a learning experience. These people know more than you. This is going to take you out of your comfort zone. What a wonderful opportunity. And I did this in about a two-minute span, Patricia. And if I teach the people listening to me today, nothing else but that. When you really hear every bone in your body telling you you can't do something, that's when something great is going to happen to you. It's not that you can't. It's that you won't. You just make your mind up that you won't. So anytime I say can't, I've taught myself over the years of being told by so many people what I could and could do to just instantly go in, okay, stop it. So when I came out, I thought I had fixed myself up. The girl looked at me and she said, Barb, can we take you back in makeup and hair? <laughs> so obviously <laughs> I didn't do a very good job of my makeup again. So they took me makeup and they go, do you want to take a day off, you know, and come back tomorrow? I said, absolutely not. Fix my makeup. And I said, but you guys have to give me 30 minutes in between each video so I can make an outline for myself so I can memorize the content enough where I can ad lib it when I get in front of all these cameras and this green screen. And I'll tell you what, it's the worst course I did for LinkedIn in my mind. They just let me redo it. It was out there for five years. And you want to know something? 820,000 people took that course. Oh, wow. That I thought was crappy. And, And so that all of you understand, in that bathroom... I was making a major decision, just like I made Mm -hmm. the decision when I had the X on the paper. I could have said, I can't do this. I had to change my flight. I had to change my hotel because I had to stay an extra day because they literally threw one whole day of filming. Do you know what that cost them? So if LinkedIn believed in me, why didn't I believe in me? So it turned out that I've now done 15 courses for them, which have been turned into 26 courses because they're now in seven languages. I laugh when I see myself dubbed in Chinese and Italian oh, and wow. Spanish. And they gave me a, a royalty up front. And then once you have students come in, then after the royalty is paid off, then you get paid. They look at everybody that's taking courses on LinkedIn and whatever your percentage is of the courses being taken, you get a royalty every month. And my royalty has gone up every single month. And now they're they're translated into additional, I think German and something else. I would have had none of this, none of this had I listened to the voice in my head that always tells me what I can and can't do. I just like shut her up. The minute I hear her little voice go, you can't, you know, you can't. I tape her mouth shut and just don't listen to her. Yeah. And we all have her inside of us, her or him. You know, I totally identify with you. If they put me in that box and put my feet on a tape, 
I, I wouldn't have been able to do it either. But my question is, when you came back and you were going to ad lib, which is exactly what you should have done because that's the kind of speaker you are, were you still in the box? Did you still have to have your feet there and not move your arms? And then you just I was still a T-Rex in a box, yes. And that's because of the way that LinkedIn Learning has the cameras. And you've got to understand something. When they said ad lib, I could ad lib for exactly seven and a half minutes. Like lights would go on when I had 30 seconds oh, left. So Lord. not only was I ad libbing, I had to do the time frame because they allow you only a certain amount of minutes. And what I did after that first course is I went into studios in Chicago and I practiced using a teleprompter because they really wanted you to use a teleprompter. And those poor people in production that had to you know, translate everything I did because they do graphics and they do charts. Their job had to be a nightmare with me at living. You know, they <laughs> need those scripts in advance. I'm really enjoying this episode, but you know what? I wanted to take a moment to talk to you, especially to you if you're ready to take this one precious life that we've all been given, but you're ready to take it seriously. If that's you, then pay attention. You know, I'm, I owned an executive recruiting firm in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh my gosh, for years. And I interviewed hundreds, maybe even thousands of people during that time. And I was asked the same two questions over and over. One, what should I be when I grow up, Patricia? And then they'd just look at me and say, I know I, I'm older now, but I'm so nervous now. It was so sad to me. And then the next question, Patricia, I need to find a niche. I need to specialize. Do you think you could help me? And the answer is... Yes, I can help because it's very sad to me that our school system can never help us with this very important piece of our life. That's called our career. They have to do other things, but I knew that I could help. So I started doing workshops and books and counseling. And guess what? I discovered that people didn't want to do it the way I thought it should be done. Here's what they wanted. They wanted four things as I started working with them. They wanted to do it on their own terms, on their own time, when they wanted to do it. I call that SPL, where you learn it at your own pace, self-paced learning. Number two, they really wanted a community of like-minded people, people that have been where they are, challenged with what they have, and then also got a result. Well, guess what? I started a Facebook group, and it's free, called When Passion Meets Profit. Number three, they were ready to invest, but you know what? They said, nope, only to a certain point. I will not invest in myself if it's not affordable. Okay, check. Number four, they wanted to see a difference. At the end of a program, they wanted to see a difference, a result. Check. Guess what? I met all four of those requirements. I created a program called Your Gift is Your Niche. It's downloadable so you can do it at your own pace. So go to your gift is your niche, N-I-C-H-E dot com. And I want you to read about that and see if it resonates with you. And, and really move fast on this because this is your life. Remember this one precious life that you're given. And I, for just a short time, I decided maybe, and maybe I'll continue it forever. I really see that it's helpful. I want to create office hours. Once a week, I want to come on live with each one of you. You can ask as many questions as you want. You can literally come on and say, this worked for me. Who knows what you'll say? We all need the tools and techniques. We need to be asked the right questions. And that's what this course is about. So if you're really ready to start maybe a full-time business of your own, I don't know. Maybe you're ready to start a side business alongside your career. But you do know that you're ready 
to find your passion and you're ready to make a profit with it, then your gift is your niche is your answer. Let's get back to the podcast. I have to tell you a funny story. Three courses after that, I asked to meet the people in production because I had brought them all gifts because I, I could only imagine the nightmare I had been my first session, but I didn't want to meet them until the next two went really good, which they did. I didn't even have to take second takes the next time I was in there. I would, in fact, I think one time I did something like 26 videos in one day and nobody had ever done that. So I went from being this disastrous T-Rex crying in the bathroom and throwing up (laughs) to, you know, doing more than anybody had done in a day because I forced myself after you do something, you can, you can force yourself to just accept that this is your comfort zone. It just becomes your new comfort zone. So when I walked in and they go, the difference, Barb, and I said, but I want to thank you guys because for that first course that I hated, you guys really made me look good. It's because of you that that course, you know, really was a success with your graphics and everything that you had done. And they told me I was the first speaker that had ever asked to see them. Their their room was like a cave. You walk, there were no lights on. They were all in oh, front wow. of these computers. It, like it was, all these other offices are gorgeous. And where all these production people are is this dark cave. They said the speakers never came and thanked them. So the other thing I want to say to all of you is never be afraid to learn from people, especially people that are younger than you. Everybody in the studio could have been my child. Everybody that was giving me constructive criticism, if I had been the type of person that said, what do they know? How do they know more than me? It wouldn't have worked. Thank the little people and and listen to everybody because we can learn from everybody and and you've got to constantly be learning because things are constantly changing and you never know who's your LinkedIn. And LinkedIn has led me to so many other things. I wrote a book because somebody took a LinkedIn course and showed it to a publisher in London. And this publisher calls me from London asking me to write a book. You know, I mean, so you never know what one X on a piece of paper or what one comment, you know, you just, people judge you by what they see you do, not what you Mm -hmm. say. So Mm -hmm. always make your actions be your authentic self. So if you wake up in the morning and every morning I wake up and I just say, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be one of those days and I wake up happy, which my family can't stand. And um, I've always done that. <laughs> and I do everything I can to prove myself right. And, and my day is not always, you know, sunshine and flowers, believe me. But I think that everybody that knows me, you could always judge me on what you see me do. I say a lot of things because I love to talk, as is obvious. But you've got to be the kind of person that that you're judged on your actions as well. Because if your actions are authentic, opportunities will hit you all the time. You've just got to be open to hear them and to see them. And, and please, if you ever tell yourself or hear that voice say, I can't, realize you're saying, I won't. And stop that because it's holding you back. Yeah, I really learned so much from that story, Barb, about not only about you, but just about life in general, because we do seem to hold ourselves back. And it mm-hmm. is that little voice inside of all of us that you have to shut that person up. I like that you actually had a visual of literally, did you say you put tape on her mouth? I did. Uh And then then she got a sister. Then I had like a couple of them (laughs) nibbing. And I felt that I'd acquire some time. And so I I just, I have these little boxes I put things in. And so anytime now she's got her mouth taped and she's in a box, I just won't listen to her. You know, and yeah, and tell them about your box theory because I think it's brilliant. And I remember one time, God, it's been a couple of years ago that I interviewed you and we talked about that box. And I remember someone 
I don't remember who she was, but she called me and she said, that was the best advice I've ever been given. I said, what? And she said, Barb's Vox Theory, because I I started using it. And she said, I can't believe how much it changed my life. So tell everybody that. What I do is I compartmentalize things very, very well. Like no one would ever know I have a bad day. No one would ever know that anything is going on in my personal life or business life that's not happy. Because when I'm interacting with people, I try to give them the best version of me. That doesn't mean that things don't happen. So if things happen, for instance, I had a daughter who was extremely ill. Well, I couldn't focus on my extremely ill daughter as a single mom because I had employees. They didn't even know that she was in a hospital for 10 months. They literally didn't know because during the day I put Nancy in a box and I would just put the lid on and I'd put her up in a closet. Then after I'd be done with work, I put work in a box up in the closet and I would take Nancy down and then I would focus on Nancy. And so if things come into my life that that are just too difficult to deal with or I'm not ready to deal with them because I'm not a person that ever dwells on a problem, I can't. So my mind instantly goes to how can I solve this? And do I have the time right now to solve this? And so if I can't solve it, if it's something I have no control over, then I'm just going to dispel it. But if it's something I want to solve, I'll put it in a box and I'll take it down when I'm ready. And so it because I'm so visual, I can't just compartmentalize without having something visual. So I have things in boxes and then I take them down when I'm going to deal with them. And then you don't feel, because I think as a single mom, there were so many times when I felt so overwhelmed. You know, I, I, I felt like I was that. constantly juggling and the only time I ever had any peace and quiet was when I took a bath. A bath is still my favorite thing to do. I do it all the time because nobody can find me, but I still compartmentalize big time. I just put things in boxes because sometimes we take on too much or another thing that holds us back is we have so many distractions in our life. Mm-hmm. And that's all technology has done, Patricia. It's distracts yes, us 24 seven. Yep. No question about it. And the box theory is so simple. It's just such a simple idea of, okay, I can't deal with this right now. I'm going to put it in a box, tie it with a beautiful bowl, put it up there until I'm ready to mm-hmm. take it down and deal with it. It's brilliant. And mm-hmm. now I I can't wait to put my little girl in the box with this tape over her mouth, put her in the box and put her up in the closet. Oh, and, and again, you know, unfortunately, it's that little girl or the voices that we hear in our heads. There's a many more negatives than there are positive. It's just like in the world, people mm-hmm. are so negative. One last thing I'd like to advise you that I've learned, and, and I, I learned this later in my career, but it'll help people, is that I choose how I react to things. And I choose mm-hmm. often not to react because you will have always people in your life that that want to upset you. You will always have people in your life that will want know what buttons to push. And so in my mind, I learned this about 15 years ago, that I can't control what people say, and I can't control what people do. I can't control the economy. I can't control what banks do or what the stock market is doing. I can't control politicians or the economy or gas price. I can't control any of that. What I can control is how I choose to react. Now, I could wake up in the morning and say, I can't believe I paid $5.45 for gas. I could spend my whole day focused on that, or I can't believe I just bought a box of cereal that's half the size and it costs twice as much as it did yesterday. I could spend my whole day on that. I can't control those things. And so I choose not to react. And, And what you have to understand is nobody can make you happy. Nobody can make you sad. Nobody can upset you unless you give them permission. And why would you? So when somebody tries to push buttons, I just consider the source 
and I choose not to react. I make a conscious choice. And I've had people say, doesn't anything get to you? And I go, no, it really doesn't. You know, and and if a, if I care about the person that is trying to upset me, I might later on try to figure out what was the reason. You know, like, why was that? What was that? But mm-hmm. they're not going to upset me. No one can upset you. No one can limit you unless you give them permission. And why would you do that? Yeah, totally agree. Now, Barb, for people that are listening, and I know they definitely want to follow you and, and see you on LinkedIn. Are you Barb Bruno on LinkedIn? What it's are you? Barb Bruno, Barb Bruno on LinkedIn. And all my posts are about, usually they're either about employment or they're about how do you advance in your career. But a lot of it is is common sense type of advice that would help an entrepreneur, that would help somebody. And I, I have to mention one more thing. If you exchange what you do for what you earn, again, you're never going to earn what you're worth. And so always think of multiple sources of income. What Mm -hmm. can you do? What do you know? What can you sell that's being sold when you're sleeping at night? Just always think of if you take 5% of your income and put it in an interest-bearing account and just have it sit there to invest it in passive sources of income, passive sources of income will come to you. And so that would be my last piece of advice, you know, is just think multiple sources of income. Don't just think of exchanging what you do for what you get paid. But please follow me on LinkedIn. If you have any questions, you can ask me questions on LinkedIn. I answer every question that anybody asks me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm in many different LinkedIn groups. You can see what groups I'm on if you go to my profile. And um, no, I'd be glad to interact with anybody listening. Yeah, that's great, Barb. As always, one of the best guests I can possibly have on is Barb Bruno. And so today I I took down 12 golden nuggets that she said, and you might not even remember them, Barb, from way back 30 minutes ago. But number one is when you see a need, fill it. And that's exactly what you did with that employment agency. They just put you down with the typing and you thought, okay, I'll open my own because I can't handle this. Don't be treating people like this. Mm -hmm. Number two, when someone tells you you can't do something, just say, watch me. I love that. Number three, say yes, then figure out how. Now, that is a common denominator I've noticed with very successful people. They say yes, and then they say, oh, my God, how am I doing this? <laughs> Number four, learn to make money without being there. That's kind of what you ended with, because that's the most important thing I could ever teach anybody or tell anybody. And not that I'm a genius at that, but, but it's just where you need to keep your thoughts how can I make money or an income or a great living without having to show up all the time? Number five, say yes, show up, and be noticed. And that's what Barb does all the time. That's why she has so many opportunities in front of her. Number six, you never know who you're meeting. So stay open to that. I mean, look at Barb at that meeting. And here it's a LinkedIn woman. And she didn't even know who she was talking to. And, and then it took her down a whole, how long ago was that, Barb? How many years Almost ago? five years ago. Oh my gosh, that's great. Number seven, pay attention to your pivotal moments. And that's what Barb was doing in the bathroom that day. That was a real pivotal moment, wasn't it, Barb? It was a horrible moment. I, I was questioning everything and I was yep. convincing myself, I don't need them. They yep. need me. They, and yeah, it was horrible. It was a horrible moment, but a great moment. Yep, I totally agree. Number eight, you have to shut her up, and we all know her, <laughs> or you won't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's a fact, because she's in there all the time saying, oh, this will never amount to anything. You'll never amount to anything. Number nine, force yourself to go to new comfort zones. And I think that's really a valuable piece of advice, because 
nobody wants to go and be uncomfortable. Nobody wants to go to a new comfort zone. <laughs> I just mm -hmm. want to stay where I'm happy. Number 10, thank the little people. And I don't mean to call them little people either. I mean neither. But thank the people that are working, that work and, and make you look good. Thank them. And people don't. I mean, I, I gave a gift to the garbage man and you should have seen his face. Uh -huh. Well, I thought that was kind of a, a thing you just did was go give him candy or whatever. No, nobody else does that. So, so I love that about you, Barb. You've always been that person. Number 11, your actions should be your authentic self. And I want to stop on that one, though, Barb, and have you explain what you mean by that. Because I think the word authentic is just being thrown around so much by all these people. Your actions should be your authentic self. Mm -hmm. Speak more on that. Well, I think I, I talk is cheap, and, and I keep listening to people that, that say what their beliefs are, say what mm -hmm. they really are trying to accomplish, and then you look at what they do, right. and they're not authentic at all. They're giving people what they want to hear. If you want to know what your priorities are, where are you spending your time and where are you spending your money? Because those are really your priorities. And so if you really want to be authentic, if you say you're a very philanthropic person, then you're either donating your time or your money or you're not philanthropic. If you're really ambitious and you're really trying to achieve something, how much of your efforts and how much are you investing in attaining the things that you say you want? So I think when you're authentic, what you are trying to achieve is proven by where you spend your time and where you spend your money. And so mm -hmm. anybody that really wants to be successful and really wants to do some great things, then, then look at where you're spending your time and your money. You can't just sit there hoping and waiting for someone to knock on the door, you know, for opportunity to knock on the door. And there it is. So that, I guess that's what I mean by authentic, your actions, where you mm -hmm. spend your time and where you spend your money should really be where your priorities are. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for, for doing that because I think people get confused around that. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least is consider introducing Barb's box theory in your life because it really does work. It just takes all of your energy off of this particular situation, even if it's only for an hour that you put that box up and you just forget about it and refuse to think about it. I love that, Barb. I oh, have. Geez. You've told me that for 30 years, you've told me that box theory, and I, it's the best thing you've ever said to me. I think you should write a book about it, but I know you're busy. <laughs> I know you're busy. <laughs> but Barb, the last thing I want to say today, and I'm, I wish I had numbers in front of me, but I don't. I just am ready to head down that LinkedIn path more than Instagram, Facebook, all the other paths, because I just feel that's where the professionals are. That's where mm -hmm. I want to be in my future. And so if you were telling somebody about LinkedIn and the importance of LinkedIn, what would you say? Oh, that's easy. That's very easy. There's there's some things you have to do. There's certain certain things you have to do if you want to become an influencer on LinkedIn. Number one, your profile should not be your resume. So your profile should never be a resume. It should never be, you know, the, the just, you know, basically restating what everybody knows already. It should be a mini sales letter. When people go to your LinkedIn profile, they should go, wow, I really want to connect with this person. Wow, this person really is doing what, what you know, what I need. And so you've got to be very careful with your recommendations. I get recommendations daily for things I don't do because they want me to recommend them. And oh. so only accept recommendations for things that you want people to know you for. You know, you don't want to just accept every recommendation because that, that hurts you more than it helps you. So be careful on the recommendations. In fact, Patricia, what I'll do is I will give you a one-pager 
that I got from LinkedIn, and it is a guide on how to write the best LinkedIn profile. You know, oh, wow. your head, yeah, your headline should be, you know, if you don't know how to change your headline, spend $5 and go to Fiverr and, and they'll do a headline for you, the background. And it should be a professional photo, but I'll give you what LinkedIn gave me where you could share with your followers. I'll give that okay. to you. The second, so the profile has to be a mini sales letter. The second thing is you have to join a minimum of 10 groups, join mm-hmm. 10 groups within the next three months and join groups that would be joined by the people that you want to sell to. So who are you trying to influence? Who are the people that would buy what it is that you're trying to sell? And then you join 10 groups. And I want you to do that in the next 90 days. Then once a week, I want you to put a post on LinkedIn. And the post is just going to show your knowledge. And so I'm not telling you to write a long article. I'm saying go to Google Images and find a picture that's not copywritten, that is a fun picture that kind of you know reflects what you're writing on. And then write an article of interest that is showing people that you're an expert in a certain area. Like you got to get known for what you do. Like who are you and what do you do? People know that I'm very active in talent acquisition and recruiting. You know, I'm working with with business owners. And so they know that's what I do. Those are my targets. All my posts, all my groups, okay? So then what you do, the beautiful part about this is when you put a post on LinkedIn, under the post, it says you can share it. So you click share you're instantly going to share it to Twitter and all your followers, but then you click on it and you pick each group and you just click share and you share Mm. it with all your groups. So once a week, all these groups are getting an article from you. This is the same article, but you can share it with all 10 groups. And the last article I posted was, I can't even remember what the topic was, but I had like 70 people share my article, which Mm. is crazy because now they're sharing with other groups. And that's how it, that, that's, that's the minimum things you need to do on LinkedIn, but that will really start the momentum going quickly because the post is shorter. It's got a picture. They've proven a weekly post is very powerful. I have to do two a week because that's my promise to LinkedIn. That's too much. It's just too much. One a week is fine. Share it with your groups, fix your LinkedIn profile. And then constantly like right now, I think I'm in 31 groups. Um, I try to keep them right around 25. I I try to look at what groups, because you can tell by each group when you post an article, how many people are reading. Like you could, you could find a group that has 300,000 people, but if only 10 people are reading your post, Mm -hmm. find a new group. So you Mm -hmm. can track, you know, how many are reading your posts with each group because LinkedIn has stats that you can follow. That would be my advice to start getting a really nice, strong presence on LinkedIn. What I'm getting from that LinkedIn story is that I have to do a lot of work. (laughs) No, you know what? It does it to update your profile. When you get this guide from me, it tells you exactly what to do. And you want to put your hobbies. You want to put your interests. Yes, People yes. like common denominators. My guide is really easy. And I'm telling you, if you don't want to write an article, then go to Elance or go to Fiverr and let somebody else write an article for you mm-hmm. once a week. You know, pay them five bucks if you don't have time or maybe you're not a writer. You know, but you could still, but you want it, you want to get known for what you do because then when people need expertise, they're going to come to you because you've yeah, been giving them information. That's great. Great information, Barb. And, and really, I, I did that with tongue in cheek about saying you have to do some work, but because I do think people think, literally think these young kids in particular that you go on YouTube and you become the star or you yeah. go on TikTok and it goes viral and, and everything is you know, falls into place and you're all of a sudden a movie star. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen that way. So what Barb is saying is a play-by-play description of how to get onto LinkedIn. And I thank you for that. And yes, we'll put that in the show notes 
for everyone to read, including myself, because it's time for me to get a LinkedIn presence also. Barb Bruno, how can I thank you? You're always just a wealth of information for anybody that's listening, whether there's two or 2,000, doesn't matter. You speak the same way, whether you have 10 people. I've seen you, 10 people in the audience or 10,000 people in the audience. The other thing I want to bring to everybody's attention is the only reason I'm good on this call is because Patricia Drain asks the best questions of anybody that's ever interviewed me and ever will. Patricia's gift is asking, no, I mean that. You ask the best questions and you're the only person that ever interviews me that summarizes that I forget what I say. And so it's always fun for me at the end. Did I really say that? Like you Mm -hmm. always summarize, which makes it great for your listeners. So I will, you call me anytime because you ask the best questions. And so anytime, Patricia. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening. And until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for your time. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for rating and reviewing. It really helps us. And it helps us to know that you're there listening to it, that it's helpful to you. If you want more, you want to go beyond this podcast, guess what? We have a Facebook community just waiting for you to join. It's called When Passion Meets Profit. Until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain.